0: Music mm-hmm. welcome to another episode of The Skeptic Hangout, the place where we sit back, relax, and discuss some of humanity's most controversial and intriguing concepts through the lens of skepticism. We have with us today Richard, who is excitable, pedantic, and colorful, Laura, the energetic and passionate chatterbox, and Richard, who is enthusiastic and witty, yet by his own definition, gormless. Today, we are going to be discussing ghosts, so grab your English tea or your triple shot caramel mocha with almond milk, get comfy and join us as we unpack just what it is that goes bump in the night. So Richards, it's good to be with you today. How are you
1: both? Very good. And I like how uh, in the script for the intro, you didn't check that I was drinking English tea, but it's absolutely what I'm drinking. So
0: <laughs> Oh, there's no doubt in my mind that being an English person, you're drinking English tea.
1: I, th- I think it's absolutely necessary that as English
2: people would drink English tea.
0: Yeah, just like it's un-American for me to not drink coffee. <laughs> All right, so today's topic is really intriguing. And to be perfectly honest with the audience, we have deliberately underprepared for this. So today's topic is ghosts, which I think is really intriguing um, because it gets away from some of the more um, religious supernatural ideas into this more just sort of widespread um, sort of a, a supernatural phenomena so to start either Richard I'll let you guys fight over who goes first what is your concept or what is your take on whether or not there are ghosts and what ghosts are
1: um, I'm happy to start I think um, it's interesting because now it, it, it ghosts sort of fit into quite a few different categories when we think about them I think in culture this sort of the you know, actual haunted places. I use that quotes a lot for people on the podcast, but actual haunted places um, with ghosts that are seeking to do harm or it's like people perceive it as this sort of real, actual event that's happening. Uh, whereas there's also this sort of cartoony, sort of playful story ghost that we have in lots of fiction and TV shows and films and things Um and so I think it's interesting because um, we do have those two sort of very different ideas and they're taken with very different levels of seriousness. Um, and some people are convinced that it's actually a thing in their lives and other people dismiss it entirely, um, whether or not they've actually investigated it or sort of thought about it in a sceptical sort of sense. Um yeah, it's really interesting, and I think especially with how, and I'm not incredibly knowledgeable about this, but how there are similar sorts of ideas in lots of cultures across the world which differ in, in various sorts of ways, but all we could sort of consider as being ghosts or spirits or those sorts of things as well. Uh, so, yeah, it's a really interesting topic, I think. Yeah, and I think, uh, I'm i not
2: sure if I'm right in saying this, but I think I'm the only one of us who's actually gone out and done any kind of uh, research or done anything on this subject before I've actually been a skeptic on ghost hunting nights.
1: Oh, so so deliberately under- underprepared, but you've done actual field work.
2: So. <laughs> <Okay>. Well, <laughs> field work's a little bit loose, but yeah. Uh, and I've, I've got some idea of the kind of, uh, some of the different concepts of, uh, of ghosts, because there are, there are two competing, as far as I understand it, there are two competing theories as to what they are. One is that they are the spirits of the dead uh whether that be a soul or and not all cultures or religions uh accept souls as we accept them in the west but that being the soul or the continuance of the person and the other idea being what's called the tape recorder theory where the kind of energy of someone gets abs or an event gets absorbed into the fabric of the building or the environment and is replayed like a tape recorder So it's not so much a a, a continuance of an actual life or a conscious being, but it's just a replaying like you would get on a cassette player or on a video player.
0: So it's in that sense, it's kind of like an echo or a wavelength that gets stuck in place. Yeah.
1: Sort of like a tale where there was an old woman who walks down the corridor every night because she always used to walk down to check on her husband who never came home from. Well, I'm just making some random story, but you know, yeah, 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 yeah. It's not like that ghost of the person interacts with the world or anything. She just walks down that corridor every night. It's just it. a replaying, yeah. yeah. And, and no there are ex-
0: to
1: it. Yeah,
2: and there are examples uh, in in York, which is relatively close to myself and Richard. There are uh, sightings. I've got to say that in air commas for people who are listening on on one of the non-video platforms that uh, people have had where they've actually just seen things replay that, for example, in the cellar in York, there was uh, a a Roman army scene and it completely ignored and didn't interact with the person who witnessed it. It just, it, it was literally just like a replaying of an event, but Going off that briefly, one thing I did want to ask, I've asked this question uh, recently, and I didn't actually get an answer, so I'm dying to hear Laura's take on this, (laughs) because in Britain, and Richard may disagree with me here, so it'd be interesting if you could jump in if I'm wrong here, whereas religion's not quite so prevalent as it is in America, I think the belief in ghosts and spirits and lots of rule like that star signs and things is held by a pretty large proportion of people in our country and i'd 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 say well into the 90 percent upper 90 percent and and i was wondering what the american take on that was
0: yeah so hang on while i google that percentage really quick no i actually i have no idea so um i do know many 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 people who have ghost beliefs um it's actually pretty common but i couldn't give you um an idea of the broader populace like across america how many people believe um or like the percentage of how many christians believe versus non-christians um but i know of all like of all religions of all walks of life who have a really strong sense that there's some sort of spiritual world out there that interacts with us that includes the spirit of um like people who have passed on like spirits that are either stuck here like i i don't know i've heard different explanations um but yeah i would say it's pretty prevalent um
1: i think lots of those ideas are mixed in with sort of latent watered down blurry religious ideas that people have so like there are lots of people who would uh in britain call themselves christians possibly more culturally christians than actively practicing and believing christians who have ideas about you know heaven and have de- ideas about what happens when someone passes away um, and I, I, I do agree with what you said Richard in terms of um, you know lots of people have those sorts of interplaying spiritual ideas that are all sort of kind of loosely connected but are not backed up by anything and people just sort of accept them without investigating them like at all. Can I just uh, interrupt you and just ask
2: you one thing Richard do you get the phrase because I get this phrase quite often from people I know who say, I don't believe in God, but I do believe in
1: something. I've yeah. heard that. <laughs> something.
0: There's definitely something not, out there.
1: Not anything in particular, just something. <laughs> anything, just something. <laughs> Vague and undefined. I think it's hard as well because all of these ideas about like ghosts and stuff are to do with, often, you know, death. And I think death's a really hard thing for us as people to to tackle generally individually because uh, you know even admitting you know that we will ourselves one day die is a difficult concept to think about and to meddle with and you know knowing people who we've loved so deeply who have then passed on uh, passed on you see even my language is if you know they've not passed on anywhere yeah. they've you know crossed over yeah, yeah crossed <laughs> over onto a better place and it's all these euphemisms and things which help people have these ideas about that sort of ongoingness and the continuation of someone after they've died whether or not you have an active Christian Muslim you know whatever belief it is or like in Buddhism with reincarnation or that like, whether or not you have those beliefs lots of people still cling on to that idea of some sort of next step and uh you know the the, the time after death and you know people being in a better place or they're still with me now and I I I, I completely understand that tendency and that that will to hold on to those ideas it makes sense completely in terms of you know a way of comforting yourself and other people and and that sort of thing but it I guess it can also potentially be a, a dangerous or damaging thing to continue to think about if it's you know not back to. I mean certainly it's not the time to you know start talking pedantically about <laughs> ideas when you know someone's uh had a uh passing away of something or something but like I think it can be really damaging holding on to those ideas sometimes which isn't necessarily 100% related to ghosts what we're talking about but I think it's all sort of linked in that that general way of like you were saying those spiritual ideas in general yeah so, I think because oh, somebody lower going
0: oh no I was just gonna say um I I agree with you in a sense that um there's sort of a hopefulness there or a wishful thinking mm-hmm. thing but then there's also this other side and they're they kind of they're both separate, but I think they intertwine together. I just hit the microphone, so I hope it didn't cause any disturbances. But because um, I'm active with my hands. Um, there's there's kind of two things that play into the ghost belief that I find interesting. And one is that like hopefulness and that, well, my loved one isn't really gone or um, people can still be with us. But the other side is the something really weird just happened and I have to explain it. And my brain has to justify what just happened. And so they're kind of, they can interrelate but they can also be completely separate concepts where like oh this really crazy thing just happened in the the next room where there was nobody else in the room and I need to explain it away and our minds are just terrifically good at coming up with all sorts of crazy justifications and so I think I don't know I think that if we're going to talk about that I think there's two sides that we need to kind of discuss
2: I think I think our good minds are good at coming up with explanations because they're really bad at actually interacting (laughs) with the world Right. and and you know if 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 there is something that uh we we may see out of the corner his eye that we're not quite what aware of, of aware of what it is as we tend to have this thing that you know we've not seen it properly we've not understood it, so we need to create this thing we need to create this explanation yeah
0: we have and i need to have answers yeah.
2: Yeah, I want to. Uh, oh, this is going to be so pedantic, and I apologize. But I'm Word just, of the day: I, pedantic. <laughs> I have to do it, and I'm going to get people writing in about this I am, But there's, there's a technical difference between rebirth and reincarnation, and okay. the the difference is that rebirth in in Buddhism, for example, there is there is no soul. What there is is what's called anatta, which is non-self. So it's not a soul that's reborn. It's it's uh it's aspects of that we cling to of ourself that's reborn. Whereas in something like Hinduism, they have what the concept of anatman, which is a soul. It's a solid soul, it's a it is actually the self that's reborn. So the re- reincarnation refers to anatman, the self, whereas rebirth refers to anatta, non-self. And I'm, I, I'm nice expecting, that. I am funny. expecting to get people correcting me somewhere down the line on that. But
0: no, and I don't think that's pedantic. I think that that's there, there's like all these very precise concepts out there, but then people have partial understandings of what they are. And so we spread all these concepts around and we talk about them like we know what we're talking about. And yeah, I'm that, really good at talking
1: like I know what I'm talking about.
0: <laughs> well, you sound like you know what you're talking about. I don't know. I buy it. <laughs>
2: he's the only teacher amongst us as well
0: yeah (laughs) so your brain sounds like you know what you're talking
2: about yeah (laughs) okay slightly worrying for the future of britain's kids (laughs) oh it's all fine (laughs) or
0: at least the 20 that are in his class right yeah
2: yeah.
0: (laughs) okay so we talked about two different concepts and and i want to kind of like get into them more and talk more about them but i wanted to introduce a third concept that we can kind of toss around and i wanted to know what you guys thought about it um One thing that I used to believe, um, especially when I was a Muslim, because there's a lot of like, in Islam, there's a lot of um, creatures that live on different planes. Like the jinn are people just like us, but they live in a different plane of existence. So one of my concepts of ghosts um, back when I was a believer in ghosts was that they weren't even like the souls of people or anything like that. But they were sort of like these crossover sort of images or um, sort of this way in which this. Other plane of existence sort of melts into ours or bleeds into ours or anything like that, like where we can sort of perceive them and they can sort of perceive us, but not fully.
1: It reminds me of about half a dozen Doctor Who scripts that I enjoy.
0: Yeah, <laughs> is- so let's talk Doctor Who for <laughs> No, but so what are your guys' thoughts on that? Really quickly, like the idea of it not even being a spirit energy or something that is um, unique to us, but something that's um, in a completely different. Um,
2: I've 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 heard of people who uh, uh, even now kind of have that not from a ghost perspective, but they think that aliens—that's how aliens interact with us. And I don't want to go too far down this route because I'm sure we'll have a different episode about that. Oh, but the 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 kind of view it as as, as I understand it is it like a set of frequencies, like we can see so much on the light spectrum, but yeah. we can't see infrared. And I think people have this idea that realms of existence are kind of the same thing, that they're on a frequency and where we can only perceive so much of uh, any one frequency on this spectrum and that ghosts or, uh, in some cases, aliens or other beings like the jinn, probably uh, are seeping through those frequencies or maybe... Uh, beings that can interact on more than one of those frequencies at once
0: seeping is a good way of putting it yeah or like there's sort of a a bumping into like our frequency and their frequency somehow interact yeah. on this very small scale that causes us to observe a phenomena but it's really just a misunderstanding of um, this whole other plane of existence
1: i think it's um, interesting as well how because as uh, as a as cultures, we we have all these stories and this sort of latent background knowledge of ghosts as a concept uh, that people do more easily latch on to ghosts as an explanation for unknown things happening. Uh, whereas I think, you know, if something that someone could potentially class as a ghost sighting or a ghost interaction, if something like that happened to me here in this room now, my brain wouldn't jump to, that must have been a ghost. It must have been the spirit of a dead person who died in this house a hundred years ago a a Victorian house uh, you know that wouldn't be where my brain automatically would jump to but lots of people would because there's that that like a latent background understanding of ghosts as a concept um and the question of well how else would you explain it uh, sounds like a really valid one um but the answer is I, I just don't know there are lots of reasons why something can happen you know gravity is a is a thing and you know, sometimes things just happen. And I think jumping to a supernatural explanation rather than thinking through practical natural explanations is, is certainly an issue. Yeah. I think I, th- I think jumping to a supernatural explanation is
2: always the worst possible <laughs> <laughs> scenario that you can go to for, for any given incident that occurs to you in your life.
0: Yeah, I agree. It's kind of like the, I don't know, therefore God. I don't know, therefore ghosts. I don't know, therefore Bigfoot or whatever. Um, Yeah, no, I think um, like you said something, Gil, earlier about how when you would hear something in your room or whatever, you wouldn't automatically think, oh, it's a ghost, right? It made me think of things like orbs, right? So now we have all this, we have electricity that we know about now. We have static, like multiple forms of um energy and electricity and gravity and stuff like that. So it's interesting to me that people think of orbs as being part of the spiritual world or somehow being connected with ghosts Um when we already know we have so much like physical phenomena that we're just now learning to understand and we're just now discovering. What are your guys' thoughts on that?
2: Uh, it's a uh funnily enough but i've uh, if 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 you watch this back if you if you're watching this on youtube and you watch this back and if you look on gill's camera you will see several orbs that have gone you know, past he's it's uh, but <laughs> <you know, laughs> this it's dust particles it's it's maybe small insects that the camera's not quite picking up it's uh i we'll go on to the kind of photography aspect of it i'm sure later on but it's easy if you're that way inclined if i was if i was watching this and i was that way inclined and i'd seen that i'd very easily jump to oh they're talking about ghosts and they're inviting the energy in because these orbs appearing and oh, right. i've i've seen people do that i've been on 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 ghost hunts where people have done that and they've taken photographs and they've said look there's an orb and it's clearly you're in a two hundred year old warehouse <laughs> with a flash. <laughs> yeah. with a flash. And it's it's and, and people are so readily I went on one and we took some photographs. It was a really cold night and the the breath coming out of your mouth was barely perceptible to well, while you were just walking along. But if you took a photograph, there was just this huge mist and it was a cloud of Clouded, miss it looked like the form of a person,
1: it was just the breath. I think you'll and- find two megapixel digital cameras are absolutely the tool <laughs> to, uh, to <laughs> discover these ghostly uh, spirits around.
2: <laughs> but it's it's ridiculous to me how someone can some, I mean if you're that way inclined, I shouldn't say it's ridiculous, that's not fair. I'm not I don't mean to disparage anyone else because people have different opinions and different levels of epistemology, but to, to jump to make that jump without saying either well there's a simple explanation for that or more importantly I do not know it is the most important phrase anybody can have in the yeah. repertoire
0: it's one of my you know, favorites actually
2: it is and it's necessary it's absolutely necessary You know, no, I'm sure none of us here can say we we can't say any of us that we're absolutely sure that there's no such thing as ghosts. But if something unexplained happened, I do not know. It's by far, by far
1: the best thing to jump to rather than I've just seen an orb. It's the spirit of a dead person have there been any things while you've been doing your extensive field research uh, yeah.
0: i want to learn more about about all this we're gonna let you take the lead on this episode
1: let's do a whole side side series exploring all of the uh experience you've had but like, has there been anything when you've been out and about doing things like that where you've thought yeah i this is an unexplained thing that i don't know the cause of yeah yeah definitely i uh uh, I, I'll I'll tell you
2: what I, I, I don't I don't what is our policy on swearing? <laughs> I don't. Oh, we've not really it discussed it, there have it. we? Yeah. We're, we're... It's
0: out there. I've already put it out there. Just go.
2: <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. I, I I've been checking back through camera still camera footage, and I absolutely shit myself because I'd been in a room where this woman had told me that she it was in an old pub, and this woman had told me that she'd experienced someone watching her. In this bathroom, while she'd been bathing or showering or whatever, you know, in a pub? doing a, a, a pub,
1: yeah, all...
0: bat- bathing or showering in a pub,
2: yeah. In the, she she was resident there. She oh, like up above she, it. Yeah, she didn't just go for a pint. Okay,
0: and, so like <laughs> a pint the and a I'm shower. Like, where, where's the shower in our place in America?
2: Showers in the corner. Oh,
0: <laughs> no,
2: but, no, so she 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 took us round and we'd kind of done this. I took a few photographs, and there were two photographs that had come out and you know in my immediate reaction and this is funny because Richard was saying earlier you immediately jump to think you immediately rationalize it but you don't always immediately rationalize it and looking back through these photographs and there was something like 200 photographs on this camera and most of them there was orbs (laughs) (laughs) nothing else on these two particular photos which were taken seconds apart there was just what I can only describe as a big, shapeless, black mass. And up from between the two photographs, it had moved. And like I saw, so when I first went, I was just, bear in mind, I was just clicking through these things. And it just came as, I didn't expect to see anything untoward. And it just came as a complete shock. And I absolutely shit myself. I thought, I'm what
1: really is that? I'm listening to you talk about it. No, I was getting freaked it, out.
2: Like, this, this is how, you know, how we like immediately, how easy it is for our minds to be fooled. And and I think, you know, I think the, the kind of rational explanation is it was next to a road and it was probably, I, I can't say definitively, but it was probably a car that had gone past and its headlight had cast a shadow in the bathroom while I was taking the photograph. But I don't have an explanation for it. I don't. I, don't, I can't say that
1: for that. That for certain. That's what I think it probably was. It's one of those where, if we listed all the possible explanations, that'd be certainly further up the <laughs> Far, right. far further. Up.
2: But at the time when I was just flicking through the photographs, I didn't have a clue. You know, and I've been on other ones. on you know, this. Uh, uh, I don't know if you've heard of the Stocksbridge Bypass, Richard. I, I, it's quite a famous ghost location. It's not far from where I live. And uh, there was a monk seen walking across this road, apparently. And uh, and, and we went on there and me and my friend, we saw... Uh, again, it was a dark night, there were lights flickering past because the, the bridge literally crosses one of the main roads between Sheffield and Manchester. So we'd, it was a dark night, we'd seen... Uh, it was raining really heavily and we saw what we perceived... To be just this black shape walking across. Obviously, that's what had been described in the kind of the by other witnesses inverted commas to this sighting. And in, again, in, on first glance, you get this freezing. Oh my god, what's that?
0: And your uh, mind automatically justifies. Yeah, mind, that, oh, it's automa- that
2: because you yeah. know the story.
0: Yeah. So your mind is already primed for it, already prepped, already ready to accept. But if I see yeah. anything confusing. Yeah. That justifies that
2: story. There's there's nothing wrong. I don't think, there, and I'm sure there are people watching this saying, well, you're foolish. You shouldn't, you shouldn't have done that because it was obvious that that's just your mind playing tricks on you. When you're in the heat of the moment, that's it's not still. always the case. The important thing is that you can check your epistemology. You can check yourself. And after seeing it, after that initial shock, you can say, actually, no, I don't know what that was. There's there's actually no evidence whatsoever that it was a monk. I didn't see a monk walking across a bridge. <laughs> I just saw a black, indiscernible shape on when I'm on a bridge with on a rainy night when it's dark with lots of cars going underneath with the headlights reflecting.
0: And did you both it, see the same thing at the same time?
2: We we, we both saw a shadow.
0: Okay. So there yeah, so, so there's some sort but, of like phenomena <laughs> out there, but it's just unexplained.
2: It's, it's it's probably not even a ph- phenomena. No, it's probably like a shadow, is what I mean. But yeah, something yeah. happens. But when when you're in that position and you're in that uh, situation, it's very easy. To, and I am the most I well, I'll, I'll not say I'm not saying i the most rational person out there. I'm certainly very rational, and I'm I'll, I'm I'll, not I'll, prone to flights of fancy. But when you're in the heat of the moment, and and things like that happen, you, you, there is that initial, and it is just a, a split second. What is that? And then then you're like, your your rationality kicks in and you realise that you've not seen anything at all untoward. I think it's and,
1: that evolutionary sort of part of us, like deep in our, I'm speaking unscientifically now, but you know, like our reptilian brain people talk about, you know, like that deep seated, like flight or fight response with things like, you know, is the rustle in the grass a lion or is it just the wind? Yeah. My brain's better off thinking it's a lion and getting away because... Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's that sort of idea of like, um, you know, trying to keep out of danger. And I guess we've not let go of that now. We're not in a situation where we're having to run away from predators and all that sort of thing. And it, it kind of works in the same way. Yeah. And, and to follow on from that, and Laura
2: may be able to offer some insight into this as well as a, I'm a former martial artist. I still know how to do martial arts I'm but like, not, like,
0: not former just unpracticed I don't
2: practice but yep. uh, Laura you know us had will have had fight training and stuff and you kind of uh, that you know when I was taught how to fight I was taught how to use that flight or fight mm-hmm. in an in an unnatural way not to react to it and but to be aware that you've got that jump, you've got that thing, and to react to it in a way that's going to help you rather than just legging it <laughs> and, and being safe. So, and that, you know, I, 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 do you agree, Laurie? Is that something that that you were taught?
0: Yeah, yeah, okay. So it, it's exciting that you are talking about that because I think that there is multiple different ways that we can handle that response. Um, and I think that what you said about the fighter and how the fighter interacts with their fight-or-flight response and how they're taught to rush into danger instead of away from it. It's kind of the same as a soldier. That's kind of what the skeptic is taught, too. Like, when you get that yeah. initial shock, like, you're actually taught, like, these self-calming techniques. They're like, see, so everyone gets that same initial fear, that jolt of adrenaline, um, all those the negative hormones rushing through your body. Um, but it's the skeptic who says, oh, my God, my mind is freaking out right now, instead of saying, oh, my God, something out there is happening. Um, so I think that that's really interesting that you specifically keyed in on that um, because I think that that is a coping mechanism that a lot of people don't have. Yeah. Um, but then also talking about the, the fight or flight, when we're taught ghost stories and we do have that initial fight or flight response and we're more susceptible to believing, that response alone reinforces our belief. So we're, we're oh, yeah. I had this experience and I had a reaction to this experience and it was real. And the more that we're in that like adrenaline, heightened emotion, heightened thoughts, like very, very everything's happening really quickly. Um it kind of, you know, when you're in that stressful situation, it seems like things slow down and you seem to observe a lot more than you're actually observing. Um that reinforces that um uh what is that called? The spiritual, not spiritual, the belief in ghosts. What is that called? Is
1: no, it that? Real, it reinforces, like,
0: yeah. It, because that feeling and that experience is so real, so that it couldn't yeah. possibly have been anything else. So I just think that's really, think interesting. Well, and, and, and
2: that's why I wanted to raise that. Sorry, Richard, I'll just yeah. briefly interject and then I'll speak. I, uh, I feel like I've been doing most of the talk in this episode. So upset, I apologize definitely. to both of you, but the yeah, I think that that's why I wanted to raise that and just bring aware to people that just having that initial shock having that and which a non-awareness of what it is but that there's nothing wrong with that mm-hmm. and I think some people think that's a bad thing but it's not a bad thing in it in and of itself it's how you react mm-hmm. and and as as we've known been taught how to fight and how this as you say how the skeptic knows it's not there's nothing wrong with the initial reaction it's how you respond and
1: that is the important part of it that's the key
0: yeah, yeah. So. Oh, good. you go ahead.
1: Your turn. Sorry, uh, I was just wanting to pick up on you mentioned uh, Laura about stories and I think ghost stories are a really interesting aspect of all of this in terms of because humans are uh, brilliant at telling stories and we really value stories about things I could even turn what Richard talked about the shadow on his photo on that trip into a really exciting ghost story that I could tell people and they'd be interested to hear about it mm-hmm. and they'd be you know when you've said to me already richard just telling that story that it was probably just a car passing and a shadow moving i could turn it into a really interesting story that people would be really intrigued to hear about they may even decide to pass on um and i think especially scary stories about stuff like that uh people really really latch on to we love being scared in a safe way by listening to a scary story um you know my son at the moment's reading um the the poem the highwayman about the uh, the uh, high one who comes and he's riding, riding, riding on the moor. And then he comes back and he gets shot. And then this ghost carries on going, you know, it's a story about love and about passion and about death and tragedy and horrors. Uh, And it's a story that then reinforces this idea that people pass on. Um, And I think that, that sort of enjoying being scared about something. I mean, it's a, a big reason why people go on these ghost hunting trips and all that sort of thing and watch all the, shockingly awful tv <laughs> shows about all of that as well and stuff but crazy. yeah <laughs> um you know you go on youtube and you can find all the top 10 unexplained video things of whatever and it's it's fun to think about and be sort of scared about that that sort of thing and again that reinforces all these ideas that oh maybe this is actually a thing
2: so it's fun to do as well to go on these ghost hunts. i've i've been with my friends on them and you know it's the, even as a skeptic you can still enjoy yourself doing that kind of thing and there is there is an element of excitement to it uh
1: it's and, hard to enjoy themselves i didn't get that memo <laughs>
0: <laughs> so uh gil brought up the whole thing about like the the way that it makes you feel i think that to a certain degree we're kind of like adrenaline junkies and i was reading a book recently i can't remember the name of it but it compares um a crush. Like when you first fall in love with someone, that that feeling that's like really overwhelming the butterflies, they they say that physiologically, it's the exact same physiological response as the fight or flight response. So literally when you're in that like brand new stressful um, sort of lovesick state, you're literally caught in a an, an, uh, um, drawn out fight or flight response. And um, so when we think in terms of why people like like to go ghost hunting or why people are so drawn to the idea of a ghost story or so attracted to believing it. Um, if you think about it, as soon as you get that shot of adrenaline where like you hear a bump in the night and it's the middle of the night, it freaks you out and you're scared out of your mind. And you can't sleep for the rest of the night, but your body is kind of addicted to that sort of like that. Um, and this is just a guess. I'm just kind of throwing it out there because we're so drawn to that adrenaline rush. that I think it kind of fuels the, the belief even further. Cause if you stop believing, you're going to stop getting that rush. Um, so I'm interested to know what the psychological links are between what we experience having a ghost experience and how that reinforces or fuels our propensity to believe.
2: That's a good a good, a good question, and uh, I think I don't I don't know I, I know Darren Brown's done some stuff uh, regarding belief and the links between belief and psychology. It's a really good book, which I just happened to have.
0: Oh, on your a copy
2: of podcast. here called I don't know if you can see that paranormality yeah. by Professor Richard Wiseman and that actually goes into uh, uh it's got experiments in as well with barcodes that you can actually go and have a look at things on YouTube and things but you can uh, that's got uh, experiments in uh, about uh, how we link to things and how we perceive things uh that that we consider paranormal but it's
1: actually just normal psychology so that we the, just put in that different category okay. we take that thing yeah it is a normal part of psychology completely normal thing that we just allocate that supernatural label yeah
2: because we don't understand the brain at all as, as lay people and i'm certainly not an expert in psychology or anything no as lay people we don't understand how the brain works no. it's just i mean i think as skeptics we have maybe more of an understanding than the general public but but we nobody we, we don't really understand how we interact with the world it's, it's even even seeing is not what we perceive it to be you know what i mean and <laughs> that's when, really, that's a good when when you look into things like that you see, it's like it's it's like the question of how big is space it's like a mind blown moment when you really start looking into that kind of things yeah, I is
1: think it the first by the way of a regular segment of uh, Richard's book review because you've got all the books behind you obviously so <laughs> this, uh...
0: we should do like a, a quick like minute of each podcast be like and today's book review by Richard is no, but for those of you listening who didn't see the picture of the book I will um, or whoever whichever one of us uploads the podcast will add the title of that book into the description in case Yeah,
2: I... sorry I forgot that we weren't yeah. we weren't a purely hey, no, video cool. format. <laughs> yeah,
0: so audio listeners, we got you covered um but Gil so you were talking about kind of what what um Jilliver said and so I didn't mean to interrupt you I just want to throw that out there
1: I, I misheard what you said sorry say that again for me
0: oh I threw out there the whole um book thing while you were trying to say something I cut you off like a total I don't bit.
1: think I was um I just wanted to uh come back to something that I've talked about on my channel a bit and on the um street epistemology um podcast with Anthony McNabosco about um a street epistemology style conversation I had with my son about ghosts uh, so my oldest son is he's, he's nine um and we talked about ghosts and I can't really remember exactly the context of how it came up but we were definitely in the hot tub during the first lockdown uh last year um we spent far too long in the hot tub but he was uh he just said a passing remark about but obviously ghosts exist um and sort of, even from his sort of standpoint as a as a nine year old, and obviously he's not being brought up in a religious household. It doesn't, you know, we've we've definitely never actively pushed any of these sorts of ideas onto him. But he just had this this sort of default position of, well, yeah, they probably do exist. And I think um, I go into it in a lot more detail on my on my channel. But like, you know, the reasons that he gave were sort of like prevalence in in culture and popular culture and media, um, as well as sort of this. I guess, basic standard model of how it all works. Um, and because of all that was sort of presented to him, him as a nine-year-old child, not having really that much experience of the world as a whole, you know, um, as much as an adult uh, necessarily has, uh, just kind of accepted by default that, yeah, ghosts are real, uh, because he'd it, it not necessarily been given the space or the opportunity to interrogate those ideas and, and to investigate uh, any of those concepts. Um, it's like when you when you first have to explain to children that dinosaurs died millions of years ago because they see dinosaurs in cartoons and films and stuff. Uh, and actually, you know, they also see lions and giraffes and other things that do exist, but they haven't seen them in real life. But dinosaurs don't exist anymore as living creatures. Um, and it's that same sort of thing of like having to explain that to children and not letting them carry on with those false ideas about what's real and not and not to tell them know they don't exist because like you said Richard earlier on you know there's no way of us knowing whether or not they actually exist uh, necessarily there's no way that we can know that they don't exist um, but to just open that conversation and open that dialogue to start asking those questions. It's so easy to believe as well because I mean I, my being incredibly old when
2: I was a young man, the first Ghostbusters film had come out. So it was just kind of the norm. I think everybody, but like we said at the outset in in yeah. Britain, everybody believes in ghosts. It's no there's no kind of it's not one of those things that is questioned.
0: It's something that's really taken for granted. I think that's true because it's such a natural part of our culture that permeates through everything. And um, if you're just introduced to something as just part of reality extricating that from your reality can be really difficult. Like if someone uh, like today told me that the sky wasn't actually blue, that like it's actually this other color and I just have a problem seeing it or whatever, I would have a really hard time digesting that. Like I couldn't pull what I know to be my reality and and change it that easily. There would be like an adjustment period. that's
1: because I'm colorblind so like I don't perceive color in the same way as most normal color vision people do and so like I can look at a a scene we could be stood on top of a hill looking down over a a wooded dale and like my wife or whoever I'm with I know sees that that picture in front of them differently Um, and it's difficult for me to understand how people could see more colour than I see because I look at the world and I see a colourful world. Someone else sees a much more vividly um, interesting and dynamically colourful world. Um, And that's still something that I struggle to um, sort of get my head around because I cannot perceive what extra colour they would see because I've never experienced that extra colour. And I guess that's sort of a similar idea in terms of what you were saying, Laura, with these other ideas about ghosts.
0: Yeah, I think um, a lot of times that we we get these like, um, I don't know what you would call it, kind of like pictures in our head of what reality actually is. And um, when you teach kids young like you're doing and like I'm doing with my kids, when you teach them young to just sort of question those pictures and to hold them really loosely, I think that's where you get more skeptical thought and more people who are willing to withhold judgment. But it's when you... Have gone your whole life just thinking this and never being challenged, then when you finally are challenged, it's very, very hard to find a good reason to let go of those beliefs and so things like ghosts that seem it seems so outdated in like our modern scientific world to even like believe in that kind of stuff from a from a skeptical perspective um it feels really like aren't we beyond this? but when we think about it, the average experience of a human being is not um is not that technical and that scientific it's very just experiential and that experience is something that we still take for granted
2: definitely yeah and and we are experiential beings we don't we don't sit down and and try and work everything out and dot every i and cross every t when we're trying to figure out the world around us Uh, shall we sorry laura go on
0: no i was gonna try and introduce a new subject so i think it's your turn go ahead
2: yeah I, I was I was going to ask because i 've done quite a lot of talking so i I want to raise something and i want to let like you two talk amongst yourselves about it for a little while um, on one of my many uh research projects as richard <laughs> on, I, um i i actually I, I got into quite a lot of trouble from the people who'd organized the ghost hunt because they had what was I call it a tipping board, but I don't know if that was that. It was more of a tapping board. I don't know. I don't know enough to know what the technical term is. It was essentially a table, and everyone had to stand around the table, put their hands on it. The psychic medium, and it. it I can't not do the <laughs> the the air uh commas when i do that there but there's the psychic medium had said you know we're going to put us hands on the table go to ask some questions and it's one knock for yes two for no and this went on for i don't know how long but a minute or so until i'd pressed quite hard on the table quite by accident i might add i wasn't going out to try and debunk anything and i kind of realized that there was a mechanism built into this table Oh, no. where the pressure you put on the table affected the answer you got from the table. So I started to have a little bit of fun and the, the the psychic was asking questions and, you know, and the leading, I can't remember the exact situation. It was a few years ago now, but leading the, uh, the, the punters, I suppose you'd call them along and, I started pressing the table a little too hard, a little too softly when it wasn't wanted. And I literally got asked to leave the table.
0: Oh, no, because your psychic energy was interrupting
2: the... Yeah, because pretty much, yes. They told me that I was being disruptive and I was stopping the spirits coming through properly. And they knew, and I knew that the actual reason I'd been asked to leave the table was that I'd figured out their scam.
0: Yes, and you were disrupting <laughs> their flow, so, which they have to have yeah. control. Yeah.
2: So, so what's what's kind of your two opinion on in particular things in like that where people deliberately go out to try and con people, and in a larger picture, what's your opinion on? the fact that we we have people who are psychic mediums, celebrity psychic mediums, who are earning thousands and thousands of pounds from doing this. Do you think there should be stronger
1: regulation in that area? Honestly? I, so, okay. Yes, but I'll let Laura start because she's started before I did. So go well,
0: I was, was going to say, honestly, that should almost be like its own podcast episode, because to me, psychic mediums, and that whole genre of, activity is its own conversation that um that I think we can get more heavily into especially in terms of conning but if we want to keep it in like the ghost context but still kind of touch on what you're talking about I wonder about that a lot with like the haunted houses where you have people who manage like these old hotels or like an antique shop or something and there's these stories um and guests come and they have these experiences um that is something that I do wonder about um whether we can draw a conclusive um conclusive conclusion whether we can come up with a conclusive answer or not
1: um places like that can be just for fun you know like if you go to like you mentioned york uh richard is a place where there's lots of places like that because york's such an old city where there's been plenty of death all over the shop there um and i think you know going for a haunted tour around this place or whatever as a bit of fun with your mates can be a great evening's entertainment can't it and actually it's not an element of them trying to con you out of money or trying to con you. it's just an enjoyable thing if you learn a bit of history you have this sort of scary exciting experience and it was a bit of fun you take a good photo for instagram and you uh, you get on with your life but there's a difference between that isn't there and the people who are sort of really heavily invested in that side of things too
0: yeah so i think the difference would be whether or not there's any sort of deliberate um uh, misleading of people so if if it's just like a historically haunted house and everyone kind of accepts that oh we've had these experiences and it's haunted and you've got somebody managing it and they're you know getting paid to let people come in and see it I don't really have an issue with that as long as they're not creating sounds or using mechanisms to create experiences I think it's when they know that it's not haunted and they're deliberately kind of creating this environment and then and then presenting it as actually haunted they're not saying here's a haunted house experience it's not really haunted but come have this experience they're saying, yeah, this house is haunted, but then they're creating. So it would be a, a, the difference between, um, ooh, this house is just really weird and weird things happen in it. And, oh no, the owner of the house is deliberately setting up mechanisms or devices or whatever to make people think that they're having these experiences.
1: It's interesting, yeah, interesting we talked about sort of the, the link between these ghost ideas and sort of latent background religious ideas and things. But then there's also the sort of uh, especially and i'm thinking christian ideas here of like you know the pushback against like halloween and those sorts of things where like ghosts are sort of celebrated in that sort of cartoony abstract sense um and it's sort of a place where actually that that certainly doesn't apply and it's very much the opposite uh, go on richard what you were you saying i've forgotten sorry really. <laughs> no it's okay can't have been important if i've forgotten it
2: uh, uh, talking about the cartoony aspect though, just to, just to interject while someone thinks of something serious to say <laughs> <laughs> we can never ever get rid of Scooby-Doo I won't allow it
0: oh you know what <laughs> I love about Scooby-Doo is they show that every single supernatural thing that they encounter always has a human element to it Like yeah. I, I love Scooby-Doo and I love letting my kids <laughs> watch Scooby-Doo I think that that's the best education in ghosts and supernatural phenomena that you could provide to a child
1: Laura would you just go back and delete this episode and we'll just air an episode of scooby-doo instead of (laughs) perfect
0: (laughs) so goodbye everyone enjoy your (laughs) scooby-doo
2: um so so what about we've touched upon people who are deliberately conning people and yeah we will do a a separate episode on that which delves into that much further but what about people who believe it who aren't conning people but are making money off it how do we approach those kinds of people
0: you want to take it richard or you want me to take it go for it okay i think it's the same as a church i think it so to me it's you can't really stop it um and legally or morally i don't even know where to start with that um i think it would be something that we'd really have to like we as like a society would really have to come to some sort of decision about, but that happens all the time. Psychic mediums, the church, ghost hunters, like, um, where do you draw the line? Um, Honestly, like, I'm just as much against it as I am against the church collecting money for their claims um, and being able to do the things that they can do. Now, charities that are run by church, different, like, for all you listeners out there, the churches that take that money and they go help people and it's donations for charity, great stuff. When you're talking about donating to an idea, like the idea that Jesus is the, the risen Lord, or the idea that the psychic medium is going to read my palm, or the idea that um, this guy is going to take me on a ghost hunting adventure, um, I think that there should be a level of scrutiny involved to allow those kinds of businesses. But
1: I think it's it's easy to say, well, if people are happy to spend that money on that on that cause, on that person, on that organization, on that idea, then fair enough. But I think it's hard to know the difference between someone who's just happy and willing to spend that money on that aspect of their life and someone who is manipulated or sort of pushed into that situation as well. It's a, it's a hard distinction to draw.
2: And, And I don't also, I also think it's not only, I don't think it's, it's just as simple as saying, if they're happy to do it, let them do it. Because some of these things can be inherently harmful and they might be happy to do that. But they might also be being really harmed by that at the same time, mm-hmm. and I think too many there's too many instances of either the programs or these people who take people on tours of supposedly haunted buildings and things, where there's a little bit of small print that says for entertainment purposes only, and people- and that that seems to cover them for the fact that they're blatantly lying to people in a lot of cases. And But legally they're covered because they've just said it's up to entertainment purposes. And if you're willing to spend your money on that, then you're allowed to be psychologically damaged for maybe the rest of your life because someone's put a small disclaimer in. So wouldn't
0: a good solution then be like more education and teaching kids and young people more critical thinking and skepticism so that it's not about, you can't eliminate the con artists. You can't eliminate the people that um, are gathering money um, based on lies, but you can increase the amount of people that won't buy their BS.
2: Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And I think I think that relates in in general into a lot of areas. I remember when I was growing up, and uh, again, we're going back a long way. When I was when I was younger, Britain had four seasons, and uh, for anyone who's a climate change denier. You know, I I defy them to come and tell me that there's no such thing as climate change because, you know, now we're, the, the weather is completely erratic. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm just thinking about all those poor people in Texas at the moment. I've got friends in Texas who are really suffering. People are dying. Yeah. And it, it's largely because of climate change. And there's people out there saying this thing doesn't exist and it's ridiculous. And, you know, I've seen firsthand the 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 climate has changed but the generation before me they weren't interested in doing any kind of environmental uh activism or anything they, they were pockets i'm not saying they were, it was completely uh because obviously in it the 60s mainstream. and the, no not at all and and my generation we had we had people coming into school telling us about climate change and from my generation onwards people are much, much more aware of it now. And it doesn't really, without meaning to be rude to anyone who's older than me, it doesn't really matter what the older people think because they're not one who are going into the future and teaching their children. And if we can teach children about critical thinking and scepticism and how to understand and analyse these things... Then it doesn't matter if the parents believe in ghosts or psychic mediums, because they're the ones who are going to be teaching their children. And yeah. I think that's that's the way we should address it, rather than laying down a whole body of legislation saying you cannot do this. Mm. We should have better education in schools, vitally in schools, oh, and yeah, and and to teach people about. I mean, Richard's probably in a better position to talk about what the education system is actually like uh, rather than us but that's that would be my idea get the young people taught about critical thinking about skepticism get them learning that these things can actually be analyzed and you can understand them for what they are and let them move rather than trying to put a flat out legislation out and stop people having fun and you know going on like the york dungeon tours or the london dungeon tours which are just purely entertainment and let people do them rather than blanket legislating against and lumping genuine entertainment in with con artists let us let us teach the young people how to think properly and let them move the world forward correctly
0: amen brother um,
1: that yeah, they'd go a bit preachy then, didn't I? I love oh, it. Yep. <laughs> yeah, I think it's that difference between you know teaching people what to think and teaching people how to think. Yeah, but yeah. knowing how to teach people how to think is then <laughs> the sort of step behind that, which is you know difficult. And yeah, I think you know asking questions like "How do you know that?" Mm -hmm. Or why do you think that? Uh, And I think, you know, I've got experience and knowledge about, you know, street epistemology and things. And I've spoken about that before. And I think I believe both of you have as well. But um, just that sort of investigative questioning of what you think, what other people think, why people think it uh, is really valid. Linking that to sort of religious ideas and stuff. You know, if people asked more, why do you believe that? Rather than just accepting things, I think people would more critically look at, um, teachings from the bible or you know and i know this isn't sort of not linked to the ghost stuff but it, it is in from what you were saying richard in terms of you know um we know that because it's in the bible well why do you believe that the bible is a source of evidence or uh, a thing to be trusted oh well because of this or oh, well how do you know that i, I think keeping on going again at, at to the root causes of ideas uh the roots of uh, you know, inspiration for things or reasons for things is vital in loads of areas and especially in, in terms of things which could be potentially damaging to people. You know, believing in God or believing in ghosts or believing in aliens doesn't necessarily inherently cause anyone damage in any sort of way in and of itself. It's, it's what you do with that information, how you let it affect your life and how you let it affect the decisions that you make and the judgments that you make that affect other people. And that's where there can be issues. And I think, yeah, just, I mean, it's what skepticism is about obviously, isn't it? Like in interrogating those ideas and thinking, why do I think this? Why do you think that um, is the crux of all of it really? Uh, and yeah, I agree with basically everything you said, Richard, about uh, education being a great place for that, because it's somewhere where you sort of there's that disconnect between the family environment where you are, which might hold a certain religious or spiritual idea, um, you with other people with other ideas and other um, other sort of backgrounds and things. It's why this conversation between us three is working so well because we've got you know commonalities, but also a range of experience and ideas and perspectives. Um, that's really valuable, and I think yeah, is absolutely one way of going about trying however helplessly it might be, uh, to tackle this sort of ideas and problems. What is the state, in, in
2: without going into too much detail, but what is the kind of general state about
1: critical thinking and scepticism in school? Is it taught? Um, uh, no. Um, not, I mean, it would be up to individual teachers, essentially. Um, I mean, there are aspects of uh, the national curriculum, in terms of looking at ideas, but it certainly isn't a big focus. The the curriculum moment's very knowledge based, um, so knowing things is more important than thinking about things in a certain way because knowing things passes tests. Um, and so, and obviously, we get judged as a country educationally compared to other countries based on passing tests. And obviously, those league tables are more important than thinking skeptically about things and um, interrogating ideas. Obviously, that's a broad statement that I've just made and is certainly not applicable to um every you know disclaimer <laughs> yeah <laughs> For purposes only. um but um yeah I, I, so it's not there in a big way uh, and certainly when you as teachers are incentivized to get children to pass tests um it, it's hard sometimes to justify that prioritization
0: so I love that you said that because while I was waiting for my turn to talk, this is what I was thinking about like the whole time was getting kids to be comfortable saying and to give them the permission and the freedom to say, I don't know, because pretty much their entire education from the time they start um, for us it's elementary school, I don't know what you guys call it, primary school, or I don't know what it's called, but um, up till they graduate or go off to college is that you have to know the answer. And if you don't know the answer, you're wrong or you're deficient or you're stupid. And so a lot of times, like, there's an innately, like, it's taught from such an early age that it's more important to have an answer than to have the right answer or to not have any answer at all. So I think if we could get kids more geared toward, I don't know, or let's go find out. um, Me homeschooling my kids, I'm in a really, like, unique and awesome um, situation where I get to decide, like, how much I expose my kids to or don't and how much I let them explore learning on their own. And so I get to teach them that um, and I let them hear me say, I don't know as often as possible, but if we could do that for children um, along with the critical thinking and along with the skepticism, it will alleviate a lot of that pressure to, um, to come up with answers. And like, even if they're bad ones, <laughs> you
2: know, I don't it's
1: know. Often even adapting the answer of, I don't know, to, I don't know yet as well. Like it sure. doesn't have to be, I don't know, full stop. Right. Um, you know? I don't know question is a really good uh leap pad on to finding out an answer that might just not be known yet um and so that word yet is also an important one I think
0: so one thing that we're taught in the military in giving briefings is because uh, we have to you know you research the briefing and you have all the information and then um, at the end guaranteed there's gonna be someone like an officer or something that asks a question that you don't know the answer to and so we're taught as briefers to say, um, I don't know, or I don't have that information right now, but I will get back to you on that. And then we're taught to follow up. Like we're supposed to send an email or walk over to their office or um, look it up and and approach it and tell everybody like, okay, this was the answer um, and follow up with that. So it's interesting that you say that, like, um, I don't know yet, but I will find out for you.
2: Yeah, but what if you can't find out?
0: Then you follow up and say, I don't know. We weren't able to find the information you were looking for.
2: Yeah. See, see, that that's. I think that's, equally as important to be able to say we don't know we 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 still don't know know. (laughs) We, we we may be not know yet but we you know it may present itself in the future but there is a chance that might not be the case that doesn't mean we should jump to a conclusion
0: ever yeah
2: yeah and on that note i Would think you guys like it's to call a, it
0: there that's a good stopping place
2: i think it's a i think it's a decent time so i think we've uh, we've we went off track a little bit with the ghosts
1: <laughs>
2: but you know that's what, what e- these conversations are about yeah
0: rabbit holes those are my favorite yeah, yeah brilliant yeah yeah and it's supposed to we're supposed to take it where we take it and i like where this one went agreed cool okay so are we ready to close this out yeah yes all right thank you everybody for listening um it was a great episode and i had a lot of fun um once again
2: we are laura richard and richard and this is the skeptic hangout until next time
0: keep questioning
1: interrogate your beliefs and stay skeptical thanks very much out everyone Bye. Bye. bye